Ladies and gentlemen, warning, spoilers ahead. At a one-room schoolhouse in the Australian outback on a not-quite-ordinary day, nine children and a teacher began to learn the lesson they would remember the rest of their lives. We're going on a picnic. Good evening, and welcome to television. Hello. G'day. Hey. Hey. Whoa. Hey. Whoa. I'm Wayne Cellini. And I'm a Philip Hunting, and welcome to Fred Watch, where we view and review films, everything from the mainstream to the obscure. That's right. And Philip, what have you been watching since our last podcast? Um, I've actually been re-watching the old Star Wars movies. Oh, you are a Star Wars fan. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I went essentially from uh, 4, 5, 6, and then into 7, because we don't talk about the prequels. We don't talk about the no. prequels. <laughs> I don't mind talking about the prequels, but you don't I, talk about the prequels. I don't talk about the prequels. Yeah. <laughs> and how about you, Matt? What have you been seeing? Yeah, so I saw a great French film called Betty Blue, a masterpiece from 1986. La la. Yeah, it looked, <laughs> divided the critics in its day, but I think it's gotten a lot more respect over time. So, highly recommended, Philip. Highly recommended. Very nice, very nice. And what's today's film? Well, today we're reviewing the underrated 1985 Oz classic, Fortress. Ooh. Please explain. Based on Gabrielle Lord's 1980 novel, itself loosely inspired by a real-life kidnapping, as well as William Golding's Lord of the Flies, our story begins in an isolated Australian rural town where teacher Sally Jones, played by Rachel Ward, is charged with running the single-class school. The film quickly establishes Sally as an outsider who doesn't belong in the sticks, but that's the least of her problems when four masked gunmen appear at the school one morning. They kidnap Sally and her nine young pupils, hoping to keep them captive until a ransom is paid. But of course, teacher and students fight back. Philip, were you captivated by Fortress? I was. Hey. Uh, <laughs> so for me, I'm not a fan of horrors. I Only horrors that I like are uh, intellectual ones, thinkers, like Silence of the Lambs. Oh, okay. Things yes. like that. So when this first started, I, I turned around to you and said, this isn't a horror, is it? Your tone said it all, Philip. <laughs> there was a tone of, of judgment and disapproval. It was more of, I don't want to have to sit there. Because <laughs> they do. They scare me, but not in a fun way. I don't enjoy being scared myself. Yeah. Um, but then Wayne's like, no, 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 it's a thriller. Thrillers can be hit and miss for me. Yeah. This one was a hit. Oh, yay. Um, this one, it, it, it was, especially I think because it was partly based on a true story. Yes, very loosely. Um, and also because uh, it was an Australian exploitation film. I really love them. Those classic 70s uh, movies, they're so good. Yeah, absolutely. And this one is sort of feeding off that genre of exploitation. Fortress doesn't generally fall into the exploitation genre, according to most critics, mm-hmm. but I definitely put it in there. Mm-hmm. I think it is more subtle than a lot of exploitation movies that do use excessive nudity and violence. Yeah. I think that the way that Fortress itself uses violence is actually quite clever because mm. some of the violence happens off camera and that's quite chilling. Yeah, yeah. Um, and usually more effective than the things mm. you see, I think. Oh, and that's it. That's a, um, that's a golden rule of film, which a lot, to be honest, a lot of filmmakers forget or maybe even overuse is the idea that if something off film is always more gruesome, funnier, yeah. uh, sillier, whatever you're trying to go for, it's always better off film. And just on talking about the violence as well, thinking about this film and when I actually saw it, 
most people who have been exposed to Fortress were children. Mm. So I saw Fortress when I was about seven or eight, believe it or not. Yep. And a friend of mine had told me that he had seen it when he was 12. So I guess you had to be an 80s child yeah, <laughs> to, yeah. To, to know about this film. And again, looking online, because this is co-produced by HBO, so it had a big viewing in the States. Yep. And everyone discussing it talks about, I saw this as a kid, I saw this as a kid. Yep. So it's an interesting film in terms of its audience because children are at the centre of it. Mm. But it's not what you would suggest is suitable for children. That's it. I even said to Wayne during, I said to you during this, yeah. it's like your Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or any of those ones where the kids, you know, your Home Alone style thing, yeah. where the kids sort of take on the adults, as it were, but... It's that without the worry of a PG-13. It's what those films want to be but can't because of PG. Yes. And I also felt it made it a lot more realistic in parts. There were plenty of parts, especially, I'm going to say the dialogue, which I felt was very unrealistic. Right, yeah. From the children or from... Yeah, generally from the children, yeah. I'm going to say. Then again, I'm also someone that doesn't understand children as well as yeah. possibly should as a human being. I feel that just sometimes, yes, my, Wayne kept pointing out to me, yes, but he's five, yes, but he's eight, yes, yes but she's... But I sort of sat back and felt, oh, no, even kids in those scenarios, they'd be more scared, they'd be more, you know, even even the t- big, tough boys, the guy's got a gun. Yes. You know what I mean? They, know, they specifically know what guns are. Side note, you don't shoot a fox with a three oh three. Especially near your chickens. You're going to take out your chickens while you're at it. Anyway. I was act- I'm was. i going to stop your side note and expand on it because I was interested, Bill, as you who grew up in a more rural area, how you would have responded, I, I think, to this setting because I can identify more with the teacher, Sally, who is yeah. clearly an outsider. So the casting of Rachel Ward is quite clever. Mm. It was unintentional. Rachel herself was the third choice to play the role of Sally. And that had to be negotiated because America is paying half of the money. They yeah. want someone recognisable. It works still because she does have a British accent. The children even make fun of her British accent. Yeah. She's clearly uncomfortable being in the sticks. And obviously doesn't have much of a footing in the bush. Yeah. And I'm like, that is me. (laughs) (laughs) I feel from that point of view, it was very smart having the kids, especially some of the older kids, using their bush skills. End of the day, if that legitimately happened, outside of my questioning of the actual dialogue itself... I do believe the older kids would kick into action. They'd want to show off their, especially in the less, more direct danger parts, they'd want to show off their survival skills. They'd want to show off, you know, they, they had the kid walking, what's his name? Oh, Sid. Sid. Yes. Um, he was, you know, chalking off the yeah. um, with an X. Tiny detail, but everyone knows when you go bushwalking, if you're not sticking to the tracks, take ribbon. Yes. You tie a ribbon around, a, you know, a, a waratah tree. Okay. And that way, you can then follow your ribbon back. I love that you said everyone knows that. I've just well, learned something. But, but no, but that's it. Everyone <laughs> in the bush knows this. Yes, yeah. Uh, if you're going for a bushwalk, unless obviously you know the area, like the back of your hand. Well, it was what Hansel and Gretel had taught us. Well, you leave breadcrumbs. Yes, you leave breadcrumbs. Yeah. I, just at the start, it sort of took me out just at the start, because all I could think that entire time when they're doing this setup is that... Um, you know, you don't shoot a fox with a 303 that close to your chickens because all your chickens will go off the lake. <laughs> because ch- chooks can be very 
finicky about, you know, when they're going to lags and stuff. And loud, scary noises can put them off. I can appreciate um, that. Secondly, that close, that sort of bullet that close is actually going to do damage, spread damage, blah, blah, blah. Now, I know this is a movie and I know you're, oh, yeah, whatever. But a farm like that would have had, out there, would have had you 303 for trespasses and boar and a 22, which the kid would have been given for the foxes. Right. And it just that small detail then led into this very sort of, oh, yeah, now we're going to go now. It felt at first to me very, oh yeah, here we go, some city slickers written this bloody thing. Oh yeah, I'm writing as a, <laughs> a, a country uh, Aussie. Oh yeah. But as we got into it, I feel it actually they found their voice, as it were. Yes, and I think that setup is purely there to say these kids are bush smart. Yeah. They know how to use weapons responsibly. Yeah. And they aren't afraid of confrontation. Mm. Yes, mm. at the beginning, Sid is there a bit sleepy, pointing it to where a fox is going to rock up. But it's still an adrenaline kick for him. Yeah. It's still a sort of confrontation that plants the seed. Mm. And it is something I think that children would be excited to do if you're in the bush. Oh, most certainly. And again, early on, it's established that education isn't a priority for his yeah. family based on feedback that his father gives Pe- Sally. Yeah, that's it. So I think those types of skills come into play. What I do like also throughout the film is that Sally never stops being a teacher. So she relies on what she knows, knows. just as the children rely on what they know. Those who are street smart, those who are bush smart, if you will, and those who are academic, and those who don't really fall into any of them. A comment I had made is that I love the fact that the children never stop whinging. Yeah, yeah. I do like that because they don't see... These children, anyway, don't see the bigger picture of what this may mean. Yeah. You know, as far as they're concerned, if they need to go to the bathroom, they need to go to the bathroom. They're hungry, they're hungry. Which, I suppose that, to me, maybe this sort of shows how little I know about kids. Because, to me, I would have written that as, no, they're always on high alert. But then, are kids like that? Probably not. Probably not. Um, so you are right, that's probably actually where I'm seeing it as a downside, you see the upside because you, I mean, you've worked with children yourself, so. Admittedly not this young. No, but still you can sort of see that they're not always in the broadest picture world. They're quite often in their own. And I think one of the important things as well, Philip, because as you've mentioned, you know, how do children perceive the world? We are talking 1985. Yes. So we're talking essentially more than 30 years ago. Yes. And internet's not there. Yep. They are in the bush. Yep. When the children first see these masked men loitering in the courtyard, there's actually excitement. Yeah. That they recognise these characters. Mm. So the children address these characters at the beginning as if they're quite known. And it's not established that these children know Dabby Duck, Mac the Mouse, Pussycat, because they're supposed to be masks of, say, cartoon characters that they know? Or are they recognising them because they've seen them on the news? These are known criminals who always use these masks. But still, there is a recognition. Yeah. And there's almost a bit of an excitement there. And I think the children always need to have a bit of resilience to them. Yeah. And we see as the film goes on, this use of violence and it escalates versus the children's innocence and how the children not only start to lose their innocence, but it tends to be reiterated. Two examples that stick out to me the most about this, first of all, I'll speak about the violence, is when the class is in a farmhouse and the man who owns the farmhouse gets shot. That's quite blatantly Mm. graphic. 
mm. knocks over a fish tank and there's goldfish fluttering around. Mm. Narelle, who's the oldest girl, her instinct is to rescue the, the goldfish fish, yeah. more than anything else. And that, to me, is an indication of childhood innocence. Yeah. She's not thinking about anything else. She's like, these poor fish are suffering. And that's yeah. what I'm thinking of. Now, as an adult, you go, that is one of the stupidest things I could ever imagine yeah. going to. Yeah. But I think it's just little things like that that say, well, no, children like animals. Children want to protect something more vulnerable. Mm. And a goldfish is more vulnerable than adults. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was quite telling. Still staying with the family at the farmhouse is when the class is sort of relegated to the barn. Yep. We do hear the farmer's wife get murdered. That, to me, is one of the most disturbing moments of the film, and it happens off-camera. Yeah. Because you hear Father Christmas shouting at her. You hear this blood-curdling scream, the gunfire, and then dead silence. And like you were saying, it's what we don't see. Yeah, It's so yeah. much more disturbing. And that moment, her death, is the most disturbing moment for me in the film. Yeah. In terms of the violence, and yes, it does get probably a bit cartoonish as it goes on. Yeah. It is an exploitation film. Yeah. We are allowed to go there. Yeah. How did you feel? Did Moments work? Didn't work for you? In terms of the violence itself, I actually think Moments worked pretty well. There are a couple of times I got confused, like when Daffy Duck or whatever. Dabby Duck. Dabby Duck. So we don't get sued by Disney. Yeah, yeah true, true. <laughs> Sorry, um, Warner Brothers. Yeah. When he sort of, I, I hadn't realised that he'd been, I knew one of them had had an altercation. Yes. Um, but then all of a sudden he's sort of just there and he slides down and it, it decapitated and I was like, oh, okay. I would have thought his body would have done that ages ago no it's just going to happily do it when they happen to walk around the corner <laughs> well it's that cheap thrill almost like a red herring you do hear an argument you hear a gunshot but that's all you hear yeah, yeah, yeah. so when they go up is it really him guarding yeah because yeah, they've gotten yeah. rid of pussycat or yeah. what is it a- yeah. and and don't don't get me wrong it's as you say for that exploitation yes. it's really good but yeah a couple of times sort of Sort of went, yeah, okay, cartoon. Gets a little bit silly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it can get a, it can get a little bit silly sometimes. One thing also in terms of violence versus childhood innocence mm. and the loss of childhood innocence, just thinking about the villains, and I'd like to talk about them a little bit more, is Pussycat. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, we sort of gave each other a bit of a look when Pussycat enters the barnyard and the eldest girl of the class, Norel, yeah, actually has sexual innuendo with him to distract him mm. because these very creepy guys... Oh, yeah are always making eyes at her, mm. as well as Sally, but mostly Norelle, I feel. Yeah. And it is sort of manipulating this childlike innocence mm. with adult behaviour. It, it was something that I, I actually said, there's a scene where they all have to swim under the water. Yes. And they have to all strip off to do so, and they make a point of, you know, the, the teacher has, just before this, stripped off in front of one of the students down to her knickers, She's taken her bra off, and he's sort of ogled at her, but he's a teenager, so, you know, it's it's all sort of above board in the terms of she's not actively going after him or anything, he's just having a bit of a perv. Ha <laughs> teenagers. Yes. And then later, they, she goes to take the bra off again, Narelle is all worried and cautious about it, so the teacher decides to leave her bra on. Yeah. Sign of solidarity, go sister. And yet, I sort of turned to Wayne and said... It's funny because the little kids have got their tops off. Yes, the kindergarten kids. Kindergarten kids. Now, if that had been done today, you'd get in less trouble for showing the, you know, let's say 16. Yes. 
16-year-old's breasts yeah. than the children's breasts. Yeah. So, again, to me, that just sort of shows us time of the era as well. I think so. And it's interesting because when you are dealing with stories relating to children, how careful are you? Mm. And where does art and exploitation That's really it. go? Because, you know, children are, as a general rule, used in exploitation movies a lot. Yeah. So the rules then have to be mm. altered for them. And I think it's similar. You hear similar feedback for adaptations, for example, of Lord of the Flies. Yeah. You know, that's been made into a few films mm. and people tend to be confronted by how the children are represented and yeah. presented. But, you know, we're making a film about survival in the elements. Mm. Are you going to buy it? Yeah, that's it. If we don't. And also something that I thought about just with that sort of sexualization and that, yeah. again, if it was done today, I almost feel they would have had to have made a line about oh yeah, I like really like the teenager girl, but I wouldn't touch the little kids. Yeah. Whereas here they could happily just allow the audience to realise, yes, he's a perv, but no one had to explain to the audience yes. that they wouldn't go after the little kids. Yes. We all, because it was just assumed. Whereas I feel today's audiences, or at least today's filmmakers, would feel they have to specifically point out that they're not. Yes. You know what I mean? Absolutely. A lot of attention is given to Sally and Narelle, mm, so the mm. two oldest women mm, mm. in the group. You know, at one stage... Father Christmas even tells oh, yeah. Sally oh, yeah. we're going to have a gangbang after all of this. Yeah, yeah. These guys are absolute creeps and oh, yeah. really disgusting. And that, for me, even becomes more highlighted in the end. So in the final act, when Mac the Mouse is running through the bush calling for Narelle, Narelle yeah. the actor who plays Mac the Mouse does such a fine job at that. So Roger Stephen played Mac the Mouse mm-hmm. and his taunting cry yeah. for her gives me shivers still. Now, oh, I've yeah. seen Fortress quite a few times I could tell you back to front but there are moments in this film that still get me on edge and his performance in that moment yeah. it's very taunting it's intentionally intimidating naturally because he then turns his attention from Narelle to Sally Yeah, and the idea as well that when he's chasing her through the bush and he's calling her miss mm. like a child yeah, does yeah, yeah, yeah. it's undermining her authority in the situation it's almost going to some sort of fantasy that he has yeah, I think yeah, yeah. about Don dominating somebody who is in a position of power, which teachers are, Mm. and who is in control. And his scene and confrontation with Sally, to me, is the most riveting and exciting. It's definitely the most drawn out, the longest, and almost feels like that should have perhaps been saved for Father Christmas. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying there, definitely. Yeah. One thing I'll say... Yes. ...is that I actually think this movie is something that maybe John Marsden would almost approve of. Right, yes. Because John Marsden very much, uh, he's the uh, author of Tomorrow When the War Began series. He was always very big on promoting that children, essentially, children aren't as dumb as you think they are. Yes. Children aren't as useless. He hates, you know, and and, uh, as more proof that this has always been a thing. But during the 90s, he was a very big advocate of stopping parents and stopping... the older generation saying, oh, you kids, you're useless slacking. Absolutely. Because he was like, no. And that's why he wrote, wrote Tomorrow When the War Began. Because yes. his big thing was, no, if children had to, yes. here's the thing. 
you guys look after them, and that makes them, quote-unquote, useless. Yes. Because they don't have the need to go out and do. Yes. If they were presented with a situation where they needed to survive, like you say with the Lord of the Flies, etc. Yes, they will. They, they will. They will strive to survive, and that's what this is. Even though they've got a, a teacher's directive, yes. an adult's directive, even the adult turns to the older students especially and yes. says, hey... You guys know the bush better. What are your thoughts? Hey, you guys have thought about war and fighting and yes. stuff before. What are your thoughts? And there is even a point, again, in the third act where Sally takes a stand and says, I've made so many mistakes and I've made yeah. bad judgment calls. And she says, again, early on, teachers make mistakes too. Yeah, yeah. And so she has that adult experience to acknowledge that she has mistakes. Mm. And I think there is that relationship between teacher and students, whereas we are working together. We do notice that towards the end, the older children start calling her Sally and not Miss. Yeah. That sort of, we're on the same page that camaraderie yeah yeah Absolutely. And these are the types of things that, you're right, Tomorrow When the War Began mm. does utilise yeah. to sort of have children lead the way. Yeah, most certainly. And I think it's always confrontational, or at least for most of people it's confrontational, when children behave like adults. Like adults, yeah. And I think going again to Lord of the Flies, which this film, and you will see it in the third act especially, takes a lot from, yeah. highlights that. Mm. Because we would think, well, I don't know, would children really behave like that? It ends up being a society like any others. Yeah. Where you have power struggle, where you have confrontation and resolution. And Fortress has those two amongst the children. Derek yeah. the bully is the bully all the way through right until the third act when he yeah. stands up to the bad guys yeah. and says, you know, essentially how dare you pick on women and little kids. Mm. And throughout the whole film, Derek's been picking on the youngest child. Yeah, that's <laughs> so it, that's he's it. come to age and come yeah. to his own. Yeah. So the casting overall, I think, was quite on point. Mm. Again, great to showcase some Australian talent. And a lot of these actors have gone on to do other things. Yeah. Still acting today. So Sue, for example, who you may remember is... The little girl who forgets to take her lunchbox. Yep. Um, so that's Asha Ketty from Offspring. Ah, okay. Yep. This is one of her earlier roles. Also, Dabby Duck is played by an actor named Vernon Wells. And cinephiles will know Vernon from other movies, like Hollywood movies especially. His ah, most yeah. famous movie is Commando, Arnold Schwarzenegger film from the ah. 80s. Which, don't be surprised if that gets reviewed down the track. That is my favourite. <laughs> my favourite. Very good. Favourite Schwarzenegger film. And that's also a B-grade exploitation yeah, film yeah, yeah. for the action genre, really. So, you know, I think the casting overall is strong, even from people that we're not too familiar with. One thing I do want to point out about this film is the ending. Ah, yeah. The ending itself was actually different for an Australian audience than oh. the version that is available here, to the point that it's actually told in flashback. Okay. So, yes. Let me make this clear up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... So, hold on, time out. What version did we see? We didn't see the version that the Aussies saw. We no, saw the we American s- version. we saw the American version. Okay, go on. The Australian version itself mm-hmm. is very slightly different. Yep. So, we have Father Christmas at the end. He's discovered Mac the Mouse has been killed. He gets angry and he storms into the cave. In the Australian version, he storms into the cave and it ends there. Oh, It then cuts to Sally reading a story to the class. Yep. As the police interrogate Sally, we get a flashback to Father Christmas's death. Yeah. And then the film continues on and we see the pan to Father Christmas's heart in the jar. Yeah. There's the memento, the souvenir. Now, I've seen both versions of the film, Mm. and I do have to say that it does work better sequentially. Yeah, I I would think it would, yeah. Yeah, because you've got... Less confusion. Absolutely. And this whole sequence, you've got, you know, Father Christmas coming in, storming in, and then instead of fade to white, let's then go flashback. We've lost a bit of momentum there. Yeah, you lose... I I would think that. You'd lose momentum, you'd lose chronology, you'd... And it would just... 
be absolutely jarring. And at the end of a film, you need that wrap-up, whether it's a good ending or a bad ending. Yes. I mean, even look at All Quiet on the Western Front. The protagonist ends up being shot, and then you just get a simple, you know, essentially saying a couple of weeks later, All Quiet on the Western Front. <laughs> you know, showing that he almost ended the war. But it's a wrap-up. It's yes. not a... It's not a happy ending, yes. but it's the wrap-up and tells the audience, this is the moral that you were telling. Yeah. I'm telling you, war is hell. Yes, absolutely. Whereas the, I feel the flashback, you're exactly right. You lose momentum. You lose that, what we're trying to tell you. Even if it's just for the hell of it, you lose that ending. I think so too. And again, you've built up this momentum. And I'll refer to Mac the Mouse's demise again because that is so intense. Mm. It's, you know, it's, you think it's resolved. Then comes the next seat jumper. Then comes the next seat jumper. It's so well done. So again, Father Christmas's demise is a little underwhelming compared to Max. To then have it resolved or presented as a flashback just makes it weaker, even more so, I think. But the American cut of it, which is the cut that is available on DVD, mm-hmm. is a lot more polished and it does work a lot stronger. But Philip, I'm interested now that you've experienced Fortress. What are your final thoughts and a score out of five? Um, look, I th- I love uh, Ozploitation. There's a TV series about it all. It's not quite Hollywood, which I suggest if you enjoy Ozploitation, you go watch. I would say I'd give this a four and a half out of five. I'd definitely uh, enjoy watching this and showing this to mates. Philip, you and I are on the same page on this one. Four and a half stars from me. It's mm-hmm. an exciting film. It's quite unique in terms of Australian cinema. Lots of fun too, yeah. I think. A great thrill ride. So, Philip, what do you have in store for us for next time? Well, um, funny I'm uh, mentioning All Quiet on the Western Front because I thought I'd treat you to a musical. Oh, hello. Uh, musical by Richard Attenborough okay. called Oh, What a Lovely War. <laughs> First World War, the musical. <laughs> okay, that's going to be interesting. So, a change of pace. A bit of a change of pace. <laughs> okay, fantastic. Well, I've been a Wayne Stellini. I've been a Philip Hunting. And, and you've, you've just experienced Fred Wash. Cue music. Hurry up, Phil.